well, I think they think that they know everything and maybe they do, but even so the, your community, your support in this, in the startup world is really, really important to making sure that you're doing everything right. Because one, one mistake can cost, can cost everything. And I think that is a really solid way to make sure that you're on the right path. Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from the brightest founders and CEOs in medical devices and health technology. Join tens of thousands of ambitious doers as we unpack the insights, tactics, and secrets behind the most successful life science startups in the world. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this episode of MedSider, I sat down with Tyler Melton, the co-founder and CEO of Corvius Medical, a Houston-based startup on a mission to redefine heart failure treatment. Tyler previously worked at Accenture Consulting for top-tier pharmaceutical companies and at the J&J Center for Device Innovation, where he honed his skills in strategic planning and financial modeling. Here are a few of the key things that we discussed in this conversation. First, start out lean. Use off-the-shelf products for prototyping to save money and time. Tap into existing expertise to drive progress rather than trying to solve everything yourself in a silo. Second, accelerator programs provide startups with vital networking opportunities and force them to validate or adjust their business assumptions. However, you should carefully evaluate the cost of these programs in equity, time, and other commitments. Third, don't shy away from seemingly difficult challenges. The PMA route, for example, despite its rigor and scrutiny, can offer a focused approach to proving clinical efficacy. When it comes to fundraising, early planning and targeted investor engagement can help you efficiently overcome hurdles in your way. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to let you know that the latest edition of MedSider Mentors is now live. Volume 4 summarizes the key learnings from the most popular MedSider interviews over the last several months with folks like Rob Ball, CEO of Shoulder Innovations, Kate Rumrell, CEO of Ablative Solutions, Dr. Christian Ramdo, CEO of Tempa Health, and other leaders of some of the hottest startups in the space. Look, it's tough to listen or read every MedSider interview that comes out, even the best ones. But there are so many valuable lessons you can glean from the founders and CEOs that join our program. So that's why we decided to create MedSider Mentors. It's the easiest way for you to learn from the world's best medical device and health technology entrepreneurs in one central place. If you're interested in learning more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash mentors. Premium members get free access to all past and future volumes. And if you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. In addition to every volume of MedSider Mentors, you'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. You'll also be able to see all of our playbooks, which are hand-picked collections of the most insightful interviews with the brightest founders and CEOs. Whether you're looking to master capital fundraising, navigate early stage development, tackle regulatory challenges, understand reimbursement, or position your venture for a meaningful exit, MedSider Playbooks have you covered. And last, considering that fundraising can be one of the most daunting tasks for any startup, we created a meticulous database of investors right at your fingertips. Explore a wealth of VC funds, private equity firms, angel groups, and more, all eager to invest in medical device and health technology startups. Access to this database is a premium member exclusive, so don't miss out. Learn more about MedSider Mentors and our premium memberships by visiting MedSiderRadio.com forward slash mentors. Again, that's MedSiderRadio.com forward slash mentors. All right, without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. All right, Tyler, welcome to MedSider Radio. Appreciate you coming on, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, calling in from uh, from Houston, right? Houston, Texas. That, that's right. You know that a beautiful weather down here, right? This time of year, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was down there. Uh, I was down there. I don't know, a few weeks ago, maybe closer to a month now, and it was it's hot. It was definitely hot for sure. Yeah. So, 
But with that said, yeah, definitely looking forward to the, to the conversation, learning a little bit more about your journey as well as what you're building with Corbius. Um, but let's start there. I, re I recorded a, a very uh, high-level bio on, on your background at the outset of this interview. But if you can give us kind of an elevator-style pitch, maybe add a little bit of color to that and kind of give us, uh, you know, not without going, you know, too far into the weeds, give us a, give us a sense kind of for what you've been doing uh, before uh, or leading up to, I say, uh, to, to founding uh, Corbius. Sure. So my background originally was in biomedical engineering. Um, I went to the University of Texas at Austin for those who uh, are Austin fans. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I got involved with startups at the internship level. And so I was able to get my feet a little wet. But then um, after graduation, I like to laugh that I went to the dark side of things. I went to the uh, consulting role at Accenture. And so I was working with pharmaceutical companies, really just um, did a lot of project management, implementation, and just really hands-on from them. And then after a while, I kind of realized that long-term, as an engineer, I'm a person that, you know, you're, you're very prideful of your and of your inventions and things that you're, you know, that are very tangible. And I really want to do something that was my, my own. And so I decided to go get my MBA and I went to Rice University here in Houston. And during that time, got involved with working at J&J, &J, other startups, and really learned the local uh, Houston medical device community. It was fortunate enough after graduation to go into the Texas Medical Center biodesign program. And essentially that's what the onset of Corvius was. Okay, got it. Got it. So did Corvius kind of spin out of that, uh, your, your work through that that biodesign fellowship? Absolutely. So the whole the point of the fellowship is to essentially find an unmet need and essentially launch a company to address that need. And fortunately for us during that time, we really found some really uh, interesting and effective literature showing some, some a treatment for cardiovascular disease, specifically heart failure. And so we Got came it. out of that supported by TMC originally, and then we're able to hit the ground running as well. And TMC, is that part, uh, is that, is that associated with, with the, the Methodist kind of complex down there in Houston? Correct. So Tex Medical okay. Center essentially owns all the land. They do a, um, they manage, well, I don't know if they directly manage, but, um, they're, they're definitely directly involved with all Got the it. community. Got it. So this is kind of like the, this, uh, most people that listen to MedSide are, from, you know, somewhat or loosely, I should say, familiar with the Stanford biodesign program. So this is yes. sort of the, the Texas uh, version of, uh, of that, right? Uh, I, exactly. I would, I would presume there's some, some uh, similarities. So, okay, cool. So you did that fellowship, TMC, kind of, it looks like based on your LinkedIn profile, 2021 timeframe, and then Corvius spun out of that. So you've been working on this for what, two and a half years-ish, something like that? Does that sound about yeah, about right? three, actually. I mean, we found, we were founded about two and a half ago, but the original uh, program started about three years ago, Okay, right smack dad during COVID. So that was always fun. Um, <laughs> but fortunately, we were able to make it still work out and get really uh, hands-on still at the hospitals. Okay, perfect, perfect. Awesome. That's, that's a super helpful uh, overview. So yeah, give us a sense for the technology, though. You mentioned uh, heart failure, right? So give us a... If I'm if I'm you know a freshman in high school um, and I want to kind of learn a little bit more about kind of what you're what you're doing, give give me a give me a sense for for what that what that looks like. Sure. So we're all familiar with heart attacks and and you know the Hollywood heart attack we like to laugh about, but essentially heart failure is a a part of that. Um, it's a multifactorial disease that many different things can influence it, but currently there's really nothing to treat these patients besides uh, pharmacotherapy, so just medication. But over time, that really doesn't work. And so essentially, there's this big gap in care for uh, for moderate to severe heart failure. I mean, we're all familiar with transplants as well, but there's not enough to go around. And many heart failure patients are so dang sick that they can't even take one. And so during biodesign, we saw specific literature showing a direct correlation between nerve activity and heart failure. A specific nerve is, was shown to essentially being part of the problem of heart failure. So we're moving the signal you offset some of the issues of heart failure and allow the patients to essentially decrease the severity of their disease. 
And so after finding that, we we created a catheter solution to it to essentially directly address this nerve and give these patients a solution that currently don't have one. Okay, got it. So that's super helpful overview. So it's a, ca- a catheter-based technology that addresses this this uh, this nerve that seems to be kind of an underlying cause for for heart failure. And heart failure, obviously, massive massive market. Not a lot of great solutions, as you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. So give us an idea of kind of where where Corvius is at in terms of you know development, ClinReg. Um, um, you know, we're recording this in Q you know almost Q four of two thousand <laughs> late late Q three of two thousand twenty three. So for those listening after the fact, give us a sense of kind of where you're at currently. Absolutely. So we have been performed numerous preclinical studies, both on the acute level and the chronic level. So looking for both safety, feasibility, and human factors research. So just directly getting that early on. And we are moving into our first in human plan for next year. So the idea would be in next year to be in our first clinicals and essentially utilize that to continue that for FDA approval over the next, you know, over the next handful of years as well. Okay. Got it. Very helpful overview. And for those uh, listening that don't get to the full summary right up on MedSider, the website is Corvius Medical. So C-O-R-V-E-U-S medical.com. C-O-R-V-E-U-S medical.com. Uh, by the way, Tyler, Corvius, what, is, there, is there kind of a, a, some background to, to the name or, or sort of the under, underlying rationale, how you came up with it? <laughs> In all honesty, no. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we, we were looking for... Um, you know, we were looking for one that showed cardiovascular, like many of the companies in our space, but also was unique. And so, you know, there are similar name ones, but when we were saying it, it just rolled off the tongue and it felt yeah, right. So I like we it, went with it and um, fortunately it's stuck and we're very happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Corvius Medical. Cool. So let's spend the next 20, 30 minutes kind of talking about some key functional areas, right? That you've learned not only just in your, you know, med tech career, but m- maybe even more specifically uh, over the past, you know, two to three years with, uh, with, with Corvius. Um, maybe starting first with early stage development, right? Um, which is, you know, where most uh, med tech founders and CEOs, um, I guess, spend the most time trying to be as capital efficient as possible, right? In, in these early days, as you try to address a, address an unmet need, as you mentioned before. So based on kind of your your key learnings at, at other startups, as well as kind of what you're doing currently with, with Corvius, what are, what are like, you know, some of the most what have you learned the most, I should say, maybe uh, for other uh, and maybe frame that up for other, uh, you know, med tech founders or CEOs that are kind of new, new to the startup game? Sure. So one thing I didn't realize coming in for that really early prototype stage is the utility of using off-the-shelf products. Mm. So in order to save money, you could essentially take apart other catheters, other devices, and harvest some of the you know different components to test out some of your ideas prior to throwing a bunch of capital and time into them. And fortunately, we were able to do that since we're supported by the Center for Device Innovation and the Texas Medical Center. They have a robust abundance of different expired parts, expired devices that for the first year or so we were completely using to make sure that all of our assumptions were correct, that our parameters were prior to really just throwing any money into the fire. And I'd recommend that across the board because you can do a lot of learning for very, very little cost at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Of course, eventually you need to move into your, you know, to your custom made product, but that early stage, it really can utilize that to save money, time, and really drive some of your, um, some of your, I guess, ideas and, and assumptions forward. Yeah, I, I had recently had um, Angus uh, McLaughlin on, on the program. He's the uh, the founder of, of, of Liberate Medical. And he mentioned something very similar. He was like, that's one of the things that, you know, looking back, he felt like they did a good job of, right, based on previous learnings is just utilizing off the shelf gear, right, and not mm-hmm. having to kind of, sort of build build things from scratch. Um, is that something that that you're specifically doing at Corvius based on, you know, learnings at, at some some previous previous startups then? 
Well, so actually, no, it was what we're supposed to be doing here, but I didn't learn that before. So mm-hmm. after being part of the Texas Medical Center, we have a very a robust set of advisors that have um, a lot of experience and success in the space. And so a lot of the, those folks as advisors were the ones that kind of planted that in our minds, mm-hmm. um, really drove that forward. But also um, our head of engineering, Byron Smith, has a, a, a robust experience in this as well. Mm-hmm. And so once we pulled them into the team, he definitely also had that same mentality. He was able to had the experience to, to use it as well as successfully did so. Um, and so it was a, essentially our network and our team drove that forward. I can't say, I can't take full credit for the idea. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Uh, so maybe the, the key lesson here is, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to start from scratch, right. Uh, exactly. try to try to try to steal as, as much as possible, right. From existing, <laughs> existing, uh, existing gear products that have, uh, that are tried and true, right. And, and, and readily available. Um, yep. with that said, um, your technology addresses, a pretty significant need, right? As as we mentioned previously, and I I, I would presume that the Clin Reg roadmap is is PMA, right? That, that is correct. Got it. Got it. So that is um, it's no small feat, right? Um, for for any you know for any uh, uh, CEO founder. In fact, um, I, I remember one of the one of the pieces of advice from. That, that Mike Wallace offered up. He's the found, he's a kind of a serial medtech entrepreneur. Most recently sold uh, uh, Devoro uh, Medical to, to Boston Scientific. Is he's like you know he he recommends all kind of new ish you know medtech founders and CEOs to to really try to prioritize you know five ten k you know pathways mm-hmm. before they take on a PMA. You're obviously taking on a PMA uh, and and aren't aren't afraid of that. So uh, give us a sense for kind of how you're approaching it, knowing that that's a that's a pretty you know daunting you know mountain that you're going to have to climb. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong at all. We've had we've heard similar advice in the past around essentially get your feet wet, learn prior to joining such a robust endeavor. But you know the opportunity was too was too solid, too uh, too much there for us to pass it up. But also one of the things I like about being a PMA is that you essentially are driving toward clinical efficacy and proof. A lot of the there's not a lot of sales going on. Of course, you have to start working on that toward the latter end of things. But it allows you to really focus on driving the technology improving out the clinical benefit and safety instead of just really trying to get a lot of, you know, a lot of different LOIs, a lot of things going forward. You just really need to be in focus on, on seeing that endpoint. And fortunately for us, since we did start with pre uh, with literature that we've seen, we are confident that we, the benefit is there. And so with the PMA, we could just need to make sure that we drive to the FDA's requirements and get to market. I mean, again, of course it's a long, long pathway, but it does allow us to focus directly, which I like a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because oftentimes you know there's there's obviously some some upside to pursuing kind of sort of low, lower hurdles, right? Uh, you know, through through the the 15k mm-hmm. uh, process or or de, even even a de, de novo, but you know it also you're also having having to manage right the commercial uh, implications, right, of those uh, uh, those sort of lower barriers to entry where you know a PMA uh, PMA process allows you to acutely focus on on those uh, you know meeting those those you know various clinical stages. So with that said, you mentioned you know you hope to be in first in human next year. Generally speaking, like knowing that you've got these clear uh, kind of clinical milestones right that are going to lead up to your eventual you know PMA pivotal. Um, any anything that you've learned specifically, kind of as you've thought about that clinical roadmap. Yeah, the more we, the more we get into the clinical planning, the more nuanced that you can see it is. And so this is where, um, as you were saying, maybe first-time founders may struggle because they haven't had that experience. And that's where we're really relying on our advisors or relying on folks that have been there, done that, that have been very pivotal to our success so far. And mm-hmm. uh, because it really does take a trained eye. And fortunately for us, we have access to those folks. And of course, that really affects once you're on market. Those, those trials really affect when you're on market, essentially where you can go at. So 
we're also a fast follower. And fortunately for us, we can see some, again, some of the benefit coming forward and adjust as we do go as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest key is relying on people that have performed these, these sort of trials and procedures and making sure that you're utilizing their expertise and not assuming you know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely advice that comes up quite, quite often from other, <laughs> other founders and CEOs is right. Don't, don't be afraid to ask or, or seek advice, Absolutely. right. From, from other, other folks, uh, d- dangerous path. If you think you sort of like, you know, n- know it all right. And, and are, and are afraid or, or, or concerned about, you know, yeah. um, um, asking, asking questions. And one thing I want to add is that, you know, while PMAs definitely are more daunting, I find it so much more fascinating for a almost a game changing product. Hmm. There's nothing, you know, I'm not talking any smack around class twos or de novos because they definitely really still have a lot of impact and they can. But I've really enjoyed after working with some class twos in the past, the idea of essentially a complete game changer. Hmm. And the um, it just really drives that passion forward, at least for myself, because you can just see how these patients really need some of these things because there are no solutions, whereas maybe some 510K, it's an improvement. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, really helped at least our our mentality more, our, just really uh, well helped us drive forward without getting any sort of, you know, we hit speed bumps along the way, but because we can see how we can help these patients and we can see the eventual end goal that it's really been a powerful tool. Right. And it sounds like you've been able to kind of curate, you know, a, a, a team, not only of, of, of engineers, but, you know, um, experts in other functional areas. Um, how have you gone about doing that? It sounds like you've got, you know, sort of unique access coming out of, out of the, the, the TMC fellowship, but any, um, any, anything specific that, that you've done in order to kind of, um, uh, build out that, uh, that, that team around you? Yeah, we've been fortunate to have a pretty robust network after going out through some of the, you know, the larger accelerators or really helpful ones like Y Combinator, MedTech Innovator. Um, and so, and of course, TMC Biodesign. And so by utilizing those, we are already establishing that we are working with experts in the industry from mm-hmm. either either fundraising, either medical device, cardiovascular, those itself allowed us to have resources to utilize that many companies don't have the fortunate access to. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, since we did start in the Texas Medical Center, we are working with Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Heart during that time. And many of those physicians are world-class and they were able to, from day one, give us advice going forward. Previous to biodesign, I worked at the Johnson & Johnson Center for Device Innovation here in Houston which is now the team C where I am currently, but Dr. Billy Cohn, a cardiothoracic in, uh, inventor, hundreds of patents, um, essentially was able to help us from, as I said, day one, my co-founder, Dr. Ishan Kamat was a, was, uh, was a physician at Baylor as well. And we were able to, to utilize a lot of that really strong network and expertise from some of the top institutions in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ishan's actually now at UCSF and is learning from other, just another side of the of the um, of the country, a different, but a lot of the cardiovascular experts and just driving that information from subject matter experts is key, I think, in this industry. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, and I, and you know, I'm looking at your. You mentioned you know some some of the accelerators and um and you know being involved with like MedTech Innovator as an example. Um, when you think about your experience with some of those programs, right? TMC, we talked a lot about mm-hmm. that, that as well. Is that is that something that you definitely recommend? You know, any new you know uh, medtech founder and entrepreneur to kind of get involved with? Because um, I'm looking at your your background, right? Your time with other startups, Accenture. I'm sure you saw a lot. You know, I, you know, I could look at your background and say, what well, you know, is an accelerator really needed, right, for someone like yourself? But you know, what what do you, what do you have to say about that? Is that something that you you definitely recommend? You know, to other new ish. Uh, founders, medtech founders or CEOs? Absolutely. I mean, you know, while experience does help and there's always things you don't know. 
Mm-hmm. And the best part of EdTech Innovator specifically was the other co- uh, companies in the pro- in the co- cohort. So we learned from each other. Um, and of course, we they're, they're also supported by other experts in the industry from either clinical, regulatory, manufacturing. EdTech Innovator has been a tremendous asset to us. Every, every conference I go to, I see five or 10 different other CEOs of companies that are part of the program. We can and just, it makes things just so much more comfortable at these, as well as a people to ping ideas off of um, at, at the baseline. There's even more than that, I think, long-term, but I would 100% recommend specifically MedTech Innovator, but some of the other programs we went through as well were also extremely beneficial. Yeah. But the focus on medical device was really, really helpful for us in that. Hey there, it's Scott, and thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider Premium members. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadeem Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium.